Welcome to the March 27th sermon from Clifford Baptist Church, 635 Fletcher's Level Road in Amherst. Today's scripture is 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 13 through 18, and the sermon is entitled, Looking Forward to Life, delivered today by Pastor Michael Fitzgerald. Get your Bible out. Turn with me to 1 Thessalonians. We're taking a step forward. If you're visiting with us today, we are traveling through books of the Bible. Uh, I've gotten through most of all of the New Testament now. In fact, at the end of this series, I will have only left First and Second Corinthians, and that's going to get done one of these days. But we're studying through Thessalonians right now. We're taking a, a step forward in this study through the first letter of the missionary Paul to the young church at Thessalonica. Very briefly, I want you to remember that Paul and his mission team had founded this church on the pioneer untapped continent of Europe. God had moved them from the continent of Asia to the continent of Europe to preach the good news there. The first church of Europe was uh, founded at Philippi, but the mission team was so persecuted and punished that they were run out of the city, but not before they founded a church there. But rather than quit and go home because they were persecuted, they went about a hundred miles to the next large city, and the next large city was Thessalonica. And there in Thessalonica, they also preached the gospel of the living Lord Jesus Christ, and people were saved, and a little nucleus of a brand new church with brand new Christians was planted in Thessalonica. Paul would have loved to have stayed and discipled and preached to that little group of Christians, but again, persecution came to the mission team, and they were run out of the city, not able to stay and to pastor that little church. So from another location in Europe, probably in the area of Athens and Corinth, Paul wrote these letters to send back to the church at Thessalonica. He could not be with them personally, and so this was his teaching tool to bring them to more maturity in the Lord Jesus Christ. So we're looking at these two letters, and they're so very important in your New Testament. Today, we're coming to the most famous passage of 1 Thessalonians. If you're here, it is not by chance, it is by the choice of God that we study this passage of Scripture today. And what I want you to know today is as we study this passage of Scripture, this is describing the indescribable. I'm going to do the best I can with the English language to describe that which is indescribable. It deals with the return of Jesus Christ. It deals with the rapture of the church. You know, rapture is like Trinity. It's not in the Bible, but it's a biblical word. The rapture of the church of the living Lord Jesus Christ. This new church at Thessalonica was puzzled by death of Christians. What does God do with Christians who die? New believers had their questions about that. Where do our deceased brothers and sisters go? Where do the saved live? What hope do we have here in the church and as Christians that is different than the hope that the world has? Where do Christians go when they die? So this young church of young believers was asking that question, and this is Paul's reply. Paul speaks volumes of truth in six verses. It's amazing that this is the, indeed the inspired, the inerrant word of God. And so God is speaking through Paul, and Paul, writing this down in six little verses that we read today, describes the indescribable. And we're going to study it in these few minutes together. You know, death has always concerned human beings. We know that's true. We are the one creation of God who knows that the day will come that we will die. Largely, Greek pagan society 
the society in which Paul was ministering, believed that you live and you eat and you marry and you die and you're gone and it's over. And life is no more. You know, he gives a quote in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 32, that expresses that thought, let us eat, drink, for tomorrow we die. That's the thought of the lost world, that we're going to do what we do here on earth, and then we're just going to be gone, and we disappear into the universe somehow. The ancient philosopher Socrates had a little more of a positive view. Socrates believed that when we die, we either enter into this eternal state of unconsciousness or we migrate to a new world. But Socrates was a philosopher, and this came out of his head. It had nothing to do with the revelation of God. But Socrates himself wrote, If this is true, let it happen to me. But this is not God's truth. It's the truth of some man who thought it up in his philosophical mind. But Socrates had no assurance of anything. He just hoped that what he thought was true. But Paul the missionary says to this little church in Thessalonica, what I am telling you is absolutely true because it's the truth of God as revealed to me. I am the conduit that's bringing the truth of God about what happens to Christians when they pass away and your little church needs to know this because this indeed is God's word. So Paul says to this little church in Thessalonica, I know what transpires when a believer dies because this is not my thought, it's not my philosophy, this is the word of God. Let's read it. Look at 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. Go to verse 13. 1 Thessalonians 4, 13. Six little verses. Paul writes this to the church at Thessalonica. But I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep, that ye sorrow not, even as others which have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so them also which sleep in Jesus will God bring with him. For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord shall not prevent them which are asleep. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. Believe me, those six verses are packed with absolute truth. As Paul begins here, he says, Christians, I don't want you to be ignorant. I don't want you to be worried. I don't want you to be anxious about the passing of believers among you. Notice he says here in verse 13, believers who have died are asleep. And that is the literal word in Greek. It's the word koimome. And it means exactly what we did last night. We slept. We literally, physically slept to regain strength that our bodies might live through this day. But Paul is using physical human sleep as a metaphor here. Listen, when you physically sleep, you're inactive, but you're surely not dead, right? Sometimes I have to check Gwen's pulse because she is such a heavy sleeper. But when you're sleeping, you're not dead. You're alive, very much alive. 
But also, as Paul uses it here, when a Christian physically dies, certainly the body does cease all its function, but that person, that Christian, that believer is very, very much alive. Even though the body passes away, that person is still very much alive, Paul says. So Paul tells these baby Christians, when a believer whom you love dies, don't lose hope. Don't sorrow to despair because that believer has truly not died. That believer is with the Lord. Okay, if that's true and they're alive, let's see where they are. Look at verse 14, 1 Thessalonians 4, 14. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so them also which sleep in Jesus will God bring with him. So Jesus Christ rose from the grave. He is the firstborn of the living. He is the resurrected Savior. And those who trust him in faith upon death go to be with him. The body physically passes away, but the soul goes to be with the living Lord Jesus Christ. And that soul never dies. Amen? That soul is still alive. That person is still alive. Now, certainly it's true the physical body dies. But at the very instant, the very millisecond of the passing of that physical body, that soul, that spirit of the believer goes to be with Jesus. They're not floating around in some misty cloud. They're not floating around in some undefined place. And I want to tell you this, and I want you to hear this, absolutely hear me here. A person who dies does not become an angel. Don't listen to country songs that say, he received his angel wings. It's not true. Angels are angels and people are people. Separate creations of God. People don't become angels. You will be you for the rest of eternity as a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus even made that promise to a saved thief on the cross beside him when he said, Today you will be with me in paradise. So as we get deeper in the passage, I'll remind you of this biblical fact. In the Gospel of John chapter 5, in Revelation chapter 20, we're described two resurrections. We're talking about the first resurrection today in this passage in 1 Thessalonians, but there's a second one. The first resurrection is the resurrection to life in heaven. Uh, the, the Greek word there is so important, it's the word harpazo, and it means to be caught up to heaven. It's a sudden force that takes you, and there's no resisting it when you're a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ. He comes to get us. And he sweeps us into his presence. This is the first resurrection of life in heaven for the believer and for the Christian. But there's a second resurrection as well. The second resurrection comes much later after the first resurrection. The, the second resurrection comes after the great tribulation plays out. The second resurrection comes after Jesus reigns on earth for a thousand years, literally. But the second resurrection is the resurrection of the dead. Those who have rejected Christ, those who have never lived for Christ, those who have never believed in Christ, and according to Revelation chapter 20, those in the second resurrection will face God at the great white throne and be judged to hell. So we have heaven and hell on the line here. But we're going to stay with the first resurrection today as we deal with this passage in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. The first resurrection the resurrection of the living, the resurrection of the saved. Paul concentrates on that in these verses. Again, I want to remind you, he says, God revealed this truth to me. See that in verse 15. 
This is not my thought. This is God's revelation. I didn't make this up. I didn't dream it up. It is divine knowledge. So when Jesus returns, he returns in the air. His feet never touch earth in this first resurrection. It is a a meeting in the air. It's a meeting on this side of the clouds as we witness the returning Lord. And Now, of course, you know certainly many Christians over the centuries have died. We know that's a physical fact. And every day that Jesus tarries in coming back in this breaking through the clouds, this rapture of the church and the catching away of God's people, every day that Jesus tarries, more Christians pass away. Certainly we know that's true. Souls go to paradise to be with Jesus. Probably every one of us here has at least some loved one who has already passed. Already someone who is in the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ. But listen, when Jesus does break through the clouds in this first resurrection, there will be millions of Christians still living and walking on this earth. Paul deals with both those who have passed on and those who are still living on this earth when Jesus comes through the clouds. Now, in verse 16, he says, When Jesus returns, when Jesus breaks through the clouds, When Jesus comes from heaven and he brings his saints along with him, when he comes, there will be three signs of his coming. We can't really call these warnings because it's not a warning. If it were a warning, then a lost person would say, oh, Jesus is coming. I need to make a decision really quickly here to receive him as my Savior and get on the bus. Not a warning. There's no time for that. Decisions will be sealed at the moment he breaks through the clouds. So these are signs, three signs of Jesus coming in a split second when Jesus descends out of heaven in this meeting in the air the first alert the first warning the first call that he gives is his own shout I want you to remember that Jesus shouted on earth the place that we can see that most plainly is outside of the tomb of Lazarus when he shouted Lazarus come forth Now, someone once said, and I agree with this theologian, that if Jesus had only said, come forth, then every grave in that graveyard would have broken open right then. And people would have walked out. But he was specific in that one name, Lazarus, come forth. In the same way, when Jesus breaks through the clouds, he will shout, come forth. I believe those will be the words. The second alert is this. We will hear the voice of the archangel. Now, the only archangel named in the Bible is Michael the great angel of God. Perhaps it is Michael's voice that gives glory to God in this shout to come forth to Jesus. And then the third alert that we get as Jesus breaks through the clouds, according to Paul and the wisdom of God, is the sound of heaven's trumpet. I think I know what that trumpet sound is going to be like. I believe it will be uh, according to what we see in the Old Testament as the shofar, as that ram's horn that they blow through, and there are two tones of victory through that ram's horn. Da-da, da-da. Do you remember that? I believe that's the trumpet. I believe that's what we'll hear in this call to heaven as believers will go to the Lord Jesus Christ. Well, I want you to think of this with me. All the souls of Christian saints who have died are right now already in the presence of Jesus Christ. But they will come with him. All of the souls of the saved, according to this passage, will come with Jesus when he breaks through the clouds and comes to receive his own. 
But something happens on earth. All of the souls of the saved are with Jesus, but something else happens on earth. Verse 16, look at verse 16. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trump of God. And the dead in Christ shall rise first. The dead in Christ shall rise first. Okay, all of the souls, all the spirit of the saints who have died on earth are with Jesus in this meeting in the air. But all of their graves here on this earth are going to open up. As Christians were buried on earth and all of those graves break open, the literal bodies of resurrection, not those old bodies that have been uh, harmed by disease and death, not those bodies, resurrection bodies, new perfect bodies will rise from this earth. They will rise up from urns of ashes. They will rise out from burial of sea. They will rise up from marked and unmarked graves. But all the bodies of the saved will rise from this earth as resurrection bodies. No matter the form of the body, God's in control of all of that. No matter the form of the body, those bodies of Christian believers who were buried as imperfect bodies of human beings, they will rise as perfect, glorified, eternal resurrection bodies and rise from this earth. So I want you to get this awesome sight with me. I'm not describing to you a fairy tale, ladies and gentlemen. I'm telling you the truth, and I'm telling you as a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, we're going to see this one day. This is literally what's going to happen, and this is what we are going to see. I'm just giving you a little foresight about it in the limited way I can. But I want you to get this awesome sight with me. Jesus comes with all the saints, all the souls of the Christians in the air, and at that moment, eternal souls are then joined with resurrection bodies. And those believers are now eternally complete, and Christians are with the Lord. It's an amazing, amazing sight, and we're going to see this. But after that amazing event of Jesus breaking through the, cl- uh, the clouds and all the souls united with their resurrection bodies as they've risen off the earth, after that happens, then we see that the, that the Lord is going to deal with those who are living on the earth. We know that those who are living on the earth are going to rise up as well after all of the that reunion of the past is done, then those who are living and walking and breathing on earth today, we will rise up, and we will meet the Lord in the air. But instantaneously, as living Christians rise to the air, those old bodies that are fraught with cancer and heart disease and problems, all of those things are going to be gone because our bodies will be transformed to resurrection bodies in the rise. Praise God! That we will meet our Lord in our resurrected state if he comes while we're still living. It's amazing how God deals with it all. And there in that moment, all the Christians of all the ages will meet together with the Lord Jesus Christ in the air. Christian families will be reunited. Parents will be reunited with babies they've lost. There will be a reunion of people we've lost over our years that we've loved so much. But above it all, above it all, the most important point I can say to you today is what Paul says here. Ever we will be with the Lord. We will forever be with the living Lord Jesus Christ in this indescribable moment. So if you know Jesus, I can tell you today, you will be in this gathering, this indescribable moment. 
I think it's also interesting what Paul says in verse 17. He says, then we which are alive will be caught up. I believe Paul thought that he may very well be still alive when Jesus would come back. Of course, we know that Jesus tarried. Paul did not live that long. But listen, Christians, he may come in our lifetime. He may come in the next five minutes. He may come before we get out of this church service today. We don't have an assurance of when he's going to come. We may still be on earth. I, I believe that prophecy in the Bible right now is pointing that we're in the last days. It could be in five minutes, but we're not assured of that. It's not for us to figure out. Biblical prophecy and signs are pointing us in that direction, but it's not for us to figure out. Actually, it's not our job, it's not our desire to figure out when Jesus is going to come. I want you to remember what Jesus himself said when he was in his days of incarnation, when he laid aside his authority of heaven. In Matthew chapter 24, verse 36, he says this, But of that day and hour knoweth no man, no, not the angels of heaven, but my Father only. So it is not for us to know. This is a, a moment and a time and a day that is set on God's calendar and not our calendar. We won't know when this time is coming, but we do know this, that it is coming, that it is absolutely on the calendar of heaven. You know, we'll never figure out when, that's not our place, but our concern is this. Listen, if you're listening online, if you're listening here in-house, it's not to know when he's going to come, it's to be ready when he comes. Be ready when he comes. Know Jesus as Lord and Savior. Matthew 24, 16, Jesus says, Blessed is the servant whom the master finds doing his job when he comes. We are to be ready. We are to know Jesus as Lord and Savior, but once we know him, we are to be singing his praise. And we're to be doing his ministry. And we're to be calling in the lost. And we're to be worshiping him. And we're to be giving our lives and surrender to him every single day. So that when he comes, and if he should come in the next five minutes, we'll be ready for his coming. And we'll be working as he comes. Yes, you can keep an eye on the sky. You can do that. Keep an eye on the sky, but never take your hand off the plow. Always be working in the kingdom of God. Paul summarizes it best in verse 18. 418, he simply says, Wherefore, comfort one another with these words he's talking to a young church who is dealing with death and what happens to christians and will we ever see our brothers and sisters again he said comfort one another with these words you're going to be together again you're going to be in heaven together again and for all eternity believers i know it's hard to lose people in our lives i've lost so many and it's hard when we lose those people in our life that we love but praise god we comfort one another with this hope that believers are going to be together again one day. We have to say farewell, but through Jesus Christ, we do not have to say goodbye. We'll see each other again. That's the promise of the glory of God and the scripture that he gives to us. And we know he's never broken a promise, and we know he'll be true to this promise. You know, I absolutely believe this. Our glorified bodies are going to be absolutely perfect they're going to be very different from these fallible bodies that we have that get sick and get diseased. Our resurrection body will never be sick, will never be diseased, will never age. And praise God for that. 
Our hair is the same color, I know what you mean. But as we think about that today, we're so grateful to know that as we look forward to that, that we have a home in heaven. John 14, Jesus said, I go to prepare a place for you, and if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and take you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. We're going to live with him. We're going to live with one another as believers in the family of God for all eternity. We comfort one another with those words, amen? But listen, I want to bring some discomfort as I end this sermon. If you've never come to Jesus as your Savior, if you've never given your heart to him, and I'm just telling you this as truth. I'm not trying to twist your arm. I'm not trying to make you feel bad. I, I just want you to know the truth. And this is the truth. This is the truth of the Word of God. I didn't dream this up. This is not something that comes out of my mind. This is from the Word of God. If you've never come to Jesus as your Savior, you will leave earth one day if Jesus doesn't return for us first. But if you leave earth rejecting him, and that might be in the form of you're the greatest atheist who ever lived, or it might be in the form of the fact that I just put it off and put it off and put it off, and I never really came to Jesus as my Savior. However, your rejection of Jesus comes. If you leave this earth quickly, if death overtakes you without Jesus, then Matthew chapter 7, verse 23 is absolutely true, that one day Jesus will look you in the eye and say, Depart from me. I never knew you. You never knew me. You never came to me. You may have lived a good life. You may have lived a moral life. You could have even gone to church. But you have to come to me as your Savior. And you never did. You never gave your life to me. If in that moment, you look at Jesus in that way, I can tell you this. You will not look forward to anything but loneliness and grief and punishment and eternal regret in hell. That's what the Bible teaches us. You receive Jesus and receive life, or you reject Jesus and he will honor your rejection and you'll never see him again. It's not that God sends you to hell. He honors your choice. Receive Jesus or reject Jesus? Heaven, hell. What's your choice? That's what the Bible says. So don't play with eternity. Today is a day of salvation, a day of invitation, a day of hope, a day that Jesus is standing amongst us with his arms wide open, saying, come to me. I went to the cross and I died for you. I poured out my blood for you. I've risen from the grave for you. I did everything I can do. I moved every mountain I can move, but you have to say yes to me. Is today that day for you? If you're listening online, is today that day for you? You're not here in person that you can come down this aisle, but you can kneel right there where you are and say, Lord Jesus, I need you as my Savior. Maybe today there's one person right here or online who needs to say, Lord Jesus, I want this hope. I want this comfort. I want this peace. I receive you as my Savior. This is the moment. Believers, we comfort one another with these words. We will, praise God, be together. As great as this service has been today, this is but a shadow of the joy of heaven. Praise God. Let's pray. Our Father, our God, thank you for these moments. Lord, thank you for a congregation that extends me a few extra minutes today. 
But I pray, Father, as we gather in this place, we who are believers, I pray that you comfort us with these words. Lord, I, I grieved when I lost my mom and my dad. I grieved when I've lost so many who I've loved over life. But I thank you for the believers in the Lord Jesus Christ. I could say farewell and not goodbye. I thank you for that hope. I thank you for that promise. And I thank you for that gift that every believer is going to receive. But Lord, if there's one today who has never received Jesus as Savior, I pray today is the day that he or she will not hear just the preacher's words, but they'll see Jesus literally with his arms wide open saying, Come to me. I've done everything I can do to save you. You just simply need to say yes. You need to surrender. You need to lay down your sin. You need to say, I'm sorry. And you need to ask me to forgive you, and I will. I will never turn you away, but you need to come to me. Bless us, Lord, in this very important moment. Thank you for this day of worship, but this is a shadow of the worship that we will see one day. Bless us in this moment, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Clifford Baptist Church invites you to join us for worship every Sunday morning at 11 a.m. For more information about our church, please call our church office at 434-946-0555.